Hey, hey, it's Andy Yanez, and you're listening to another episode of Pod Slamma Jamma, now owned by Let's Rage Cougs. On this episode, we'll be talking about the Houston Cougars football seniors. We'll have our third of four segment, our third of four segment focusing on H-O-U-N-I-L, the Houston Cougars name, image, and likeness entity. This time, we'll be focusing on their advisory board and how that differentiates and has really been able to make H-O-U-N-I-L its own unique Thing. We will also focus on the women's basketball team who uh, is through for the first four games of the season. They're one and three here with head coach Ron Huey and some of the players had to say. And then we'll wrap it up with the men's basketball team. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Pod Slam and Jam. <laughs> I want to be on guard with you, <laughs> if I'm honest. Coaches, coach, players, play. You know, and that's a great place to be in your life. So you can care less what other people think. Joining me as always, Dayon Dunlap. How you doing, sir? Hey, what's going on, brother? All is well. How about you? I know you're busy nowadays, man. You stay for state. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, my God. Traveling on Monday was a pain, but I made it. Uh, we're back and now we're focusing on Saturday. It's going to be a, another busy day on Saturday. We'll have the doubleheader, the men's basketball team hosting Kent State at 1.30 p.m. Then the football team wraps off its regular season on at 6.30 p.m. at TDCU Stadium against Tulsa. Now, obviously, uh, it's going to be an interesting night because it's going to be senior night. Um, technically, Houston still has a very slim chance at being able to make the American Athletic Conference championship game. Now, um, looking at all those scenarios, I think it, it is very slim. And I think the most the, the one that would probably result in Houston, at least having that outside shot would be for Houston to win. Obviously, that that has to happen regardless. I think it would have to be a convincing win against Tulsa. UCF would have to lose to South Florida because they were still ranked in the college football ranking. So they win, even if Houston and UCF tie, UCF will have that advantage with the CFP rankings. I also think they need Tulane to beat Cincinnati because Tulane has that head to head advantage. So a lot of stuff needs to happen. It's going to, it's really going to be out of their control, but regardless of that, the main uh, headliner will be that senior night for this group of Houston Cougars football players. And I think the way this season has gone, there's been a lot of more put on these seniors to be able to lead the team and be able to carry them, uh, not just behind the two and three start, but just the ups and downs of the season. They season could have really gone off the rails um, in that that game against Memphis. And they won five of six. And I think that 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 one they didn't win is the one that's coming back and, and really biting them right now against SMU. Uh, but it has been a good turnaround just to, to kind of show they didn't mail it in. But here we're going to jump right into the clip. Here's what defensive coordinator Doug Belk had to say specifically about this year's group of seniors on the defensive side of the ball. Well, there's a lot of guys, you know, that I can mention and things that we could talk about. But, um, you know, we have a lot of guys who have contributed a lot to our program that will walk, uh, walk on that field for the last time uh, and compete as a Houston football player. Um, and, you know, a lot of these guys have been around for a long time through uh, different coaches, different schemes, um, and they represent the University of Houston very well. And, uh, you know, we want to make sure that we send those guys out the right way and that they have a memorable senior night. And I think that's our responsibility as a staff and, and, and anybody who's not a senior on this team 
um, you know, to play their heart out for those guys. And, um, you know, every year is unique and every year is different. Uh, but in our group, as far as defensively, um, as far as seniors, there's been a lot of leadership provided, a lot of guidance, uh, and also a lot of production. So um, it's going to be a, one of those bittersweet moments where uh, those guys run out the last time. But, um, you know, I think they're very grateful for their time here, and we're very grateful for them. So uh, it'll be a special time for everybody. Once again, that was Houston Cougars football defensive coordinator Doug Belk on the group of seniors overall. And I'm going to jump straight into the clip by Elias Bell, who he, he was he's a defensive lineman on the Cougars. He's going to be one of those 17 players that are going to be honored by the team on Saturday. And really, you know, like I mentioned at the top of the show, just in regards to all the American Athletic Conference scenarios, I think the biggest thing for the seniors, and you're going to hear from this clip by Bell, is just, you know, they're trying to, to reestablish, specifically on that defensive side of the pause, leave an identity going into next season. So here's what Elias Bell had to say about this upcoming Saturday. A little bit these last couple of days, that this pretty much like my last week of like regular season of college. I really didn't see it coming you know, to end anytime soon, but it has. And I'm just grateful for everything I've been through here and just all the relationships I've made here with all my teammates. And, you know, I'm really going to miss them and playing with these guys here. So, yeah, it's dwelled on me a little bit, but I'm actually looking forward to it, you know, because a new chapter in life after this and excited to see how everybody does after football. We'll continue along with James Mueller. Yeah, on senior night, particularly on the defensive end, I think there's 10 guys that will be walking Um can you just talk about the group of seniors you've had on defense and how, um, you know, you've been through a lot of ups and downs and how, how they've really helped lead this program to um, get y'all to where you are at today and, you know, a chance to possibly go into a conference championship? Yeah, with mainly the seniors, you know, me, G, a couple other guys, you know, Jays, you know, there's a lot of us on there. It's, it's just been an honor playing with all those guys. You know, we've been here you know, through some really good seasons and then, you know, not so good seasons, you know what I'm saying? So we've been here while the program's been kind of shifting. So it's been different for all of us and it's made all of us closer at least. And we're just trying to end this thing on the right note to for the guys next year and just, you know, kind of establish a culture here and and just, you know, establish, you know, our third world defense mentality back and, and just make it better for the future for other guys trying to end things on the right note and make it better for the guys coming in the future. So, Dan, just your overall thoughts hearing Belk and Bell talk there. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll sit away from you from those clips. A lot of pride, man. It's a lot of pride, um, not only within themselves, but from to be where they are and all that they've been through, from the different coordinators to just some of the losing times and just to kind of have pride and to – to leave Houston with a sense of pride of like he, like Elias just said, like establishing that third war defense, like establishing an identity that's something that, that they may not have had when they got here. And so, and also just uh, some maturity from him. Mm -hmm. Just like he's ready for his next phase of life outside of football. Seems very content with it and enjoy this time. And so um, a lot of pride in the maturity and um, family. Doug Beck always preaches family and being more than just a coach being there for his his um players and his team and so that was just some of my my takeaways from it and um i hope they they really go out on their sword and really have a good performance just like they did last week 
Yeah, to to kind of piggyback on the points you just made, that maturity aspect. He absolutely seems ready to move on from yeah. football. He was asked uh, directly if, <laughs> due to the COVID years and all that stuff, if he could have an extra year of eligibility. And he straight up said, "No, this is going to be my last uh, season. This this is it. He's ready to move on." So it's always good and exciting to see when someone's like you know, like you said, they're ready to move on and and face the next chapter in their life now focusing specifically on the defensive performance like you alluded to they came away with by far their best performance of the season this past Saturday against your East Carolina they held them to just three points and I mean really they could have gone a shot I had East Carolina tried to uh, go for it on fourth down it was just a complete utter dominating performance and Bell he was one of the players it was a big reason why they were able to shut down East Carolina's offense Doug Bell talked about how Bell arguably had his best performance ever when his time in Houston, which is saying a lot. He said they put him a lot in the edge often, and he was able to get in one-on-one matchups and come out victorious. So it's going to be interesting to see because uh, along the other name of just these are just defensive players that are going to be among that 17-member group on senior night, Latrell Bankston, Elias Bell, DeAnthony Jones, Jamichael Neal, Derek Parrish. Obviously, he's not going to play, but he's been a big part of what Houston was at the beginning of the season, especially up front on that defensive uh, defensive line. And then when it comes to the DBs, Art Green, Dabo Waniki, Jace Rogers, Garrison Vaughn, and Javarius Owens, all these names and faces, they've been around the Houston program for a while, and now they're really going to get their chance um, to, to in front of their home crowd, TDEC Stadium, to, to send it off on a right note. And like you said, the, the cloud of the American Athletic Conference, is, it is what it is. But for them to be able to control what they can control and go out on top, especially after what they did on the road at East Carolina, it would really be impressive for the defense overall. It'd be very impressive and very impressive, man. And real, just listing off some of those names and the impact that they've had to kind of restore and create an identity. I mean, it really means a lot. I mean, not only to them, but but to me as a as a Cougar alum and someone who follows this team and, and loves this team. And so, just to have that identity, that third world defense, Sac Avenue, just the different monikers that they have that they've created. I mean, I know. Well, Sac Alpha is a new one, but third one defense is something that they kind of recreated. But now it's part of the identity, and it be it will be part of the identity moving forward. So, I mean, I I, I feel like um, this guy. I really wish Derek Parrish can go out there and play. I know he would just ball out. So, sure, it's going to be a ton of emotion for him. And I just look forward for the team to kind of just put it all together. And I'm sure they will. I mean, Tulsa has some good offensive players who have some seniors who are from Houston is going to really look to have a good game themselves. But Houston, I know, is going to take on a challenge. They know what this game means. They know what's riding on the line, whether how big of a chance or small of a chance they have to reach the conference championship game. I think their main focus is just going to control what they control and send the seniors out on a good note and on a high note. Absolutely. And and on that note, something that head coach Dana Horson kind of touched on during his weekly press conference on Monday was, just, I mean, this group of seniors, they're really, for the most part, and some of them were here before Dana Horson, but for the most part, they were kind of have been through that entire transition phase. You heard Bell kind of allude to it um, throughout the whole process. They've been through his first, the 29th. 
2018 season, which it was a 4-8 season. It was a, a, a losing season for Houston. And they turn around, they went through COVID together. 2021, last year, the run they were able to put together. And then obviously this season, it's been uh, a bit of a roller coaster, and it's, it's had a lot of, of crazy moments. Now, one of the faces from the offensive perspective that is going to be playing his last home game ever as a Houston Cougar is going to be quarterback Clayton Toon. And here's what he has to say about uh, what he's most proud of during his time with Houston. <laughs> Man, there's so many. I can't just pinpoint one, but I think the thing I'm most proud of <clears throat> is just, you know, the resiliency of of this team and the, you know, the resiliency I feel like I've displayed throughout the years because it's been rocky. I mean, you know, <clears throat> didn't have a lot of success in 18, 19, and 20. Um, I didn't play all that great. Um, and then to have a season like we did in 21 and then just, you know, to battle through this season that we've had in 22 has been crazy. I feel like that's been almost, you know, more impressive just because we've been through so much more. Um, you know, we're, we're this close. We still have an opportunity. Um, there's still a slim chance that we get in that conference championship game, which would be, you know, one step closer to our goal that we set before the season. But I think, you know, the thing I'm most proud of is just the resiliency of, of you know, my teammates and, and coaches and everybody around. Um, so, some I'm, I'm proud of for sure. Once again, that was quarterback Clayton Kuhn talking about, again, kind of just the, the, the really jam-packed moments filled. I don't know the right word for it that, that have been since Houston, obviously, Exactly. Clayton Toons is kind of he he's had to take over the helm at the quarterback position for Houston since the 2019 season when, you know, it's, it's kind of it's infamous now because the, the first four games, Derek King announced that he was going to redshirt and that kind of forced Clayton Toons to kind of take the, the reins of that. And obviously we know that uh, King never played another snap for Houston. Uh, here again and then he was kind of thrust in that position whether he was ready or not he was just there wasn't much of a choice uh for him in that position and he has grown as the the years have progressed and um you know he, he going back to the tear that the offense overall has been on in this season in particular going back six seven games now uh for how how long the offense has, has been hitting on all cylinders it's certainly going to be something that hopefully they can continue in this final regular season game and be able to send out the offense uh, on a positive and winning note. Now, on the offensive side of the ball, the the part of the seniors that are going to be honored at quarterback Clayton Toon, obviously, but also quarterback Ike Agbagu, running backs Tejon Henry and Keelan Walker, kicker Bubba Baxa, and wide receiver Keyshawn Carter. Now, one other name I didn't mention on the defensive side, and I can't believe they put him. I'm, I'm reading the list off of the seniors from, from the game notes. Donovan Mutant. We haven't talked about Donovan Mutant and the oh, impact yeah. that he's done on defense, which is absurd. We haven't even touched on him, and he he's really been the identity, especially this season for that defense. He's certainly been um, the face of that defense. He has, he has. I wanted to talk about Clayton and what I in his comments first, but and it's it's funny that he uses the word resilient because that's one of the biggest things that he really is. Like that's one of the things he's really, really, really displayed is his resilience. Like especially throughout last year when it was really, really bad and he played poor, like really, really, really bad. But then being able to turn it around and have the season that they had and play the way that he had really 
shows his resilience, the way he battles adversity. He doesn't quit fighting. And I think not only with his skill set that he has, but I think that right there is something that translates to the next level. I think scouts and offensive coordinators, quarterback coaches will really take heed to someone like that. Because you just look, for example, look at Zach Wilson right now for the Jets. Mm-hmm. I mean, you look at his comments and his lack of accountability. Clayton exuded that, exuded that last year when he played poorly, even this year when he played poorly. And he's bounced back after having those poor performances. And so, Clay, man, he seems like a really good leader. And also, I, I actually got a chance to do his first interview after D'Eric had um, announced his red shirt and he was getting ready to start against UNT, the same team his brother played against. He was returning to Dallas, not far from his hometown. And Clayton really had a good game. He had a great game. And he seemed like he was just ready for his turns fully and really um, kind of really, really ready to shine in his role and kind of prove that he can be the player that, that he turned out to be. And so um, I'm really happy for Clayton to, to really show his leadership qualities and, um, and as well as his resilience, man, I, I really, really admired his resilience because not many people can stand tall in the midst of pressure when you play bad and really look at yourself in the mirror and own it. Look, I play bad. I need to play better. And then not only say that and really take that next step to play better. Of course, football is a game where you're going to have up and down. And so, but overall, man, Clayton's has been a really, really, really resilient player. And Donovan Mute, man, it's crazy. I didn't even think of that, but he's the player, not only what he does on the football field, but I think more in the locker room, he's going to mm-hmm. be big. Uh, I think, I wouldn't be surprised if he joins the staff. If he doesn't have more opportunities to continue playing football, I wouldn't be surprised if he joins the staff as a grad assistant coach or something like that because he's just one of those men, when you hear him talk, is just very mature and very, very headstrong and, and just someone that you, you want to be around, it seems like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the thing that, that stood out to me, going back to when they lost against Tulane, they were two and three, and he, he spoke – I believe it was right after that the loss to Tulane it was post game, and you could tell that uh, that loss was it was like I said you could tell that it was bothering him, um, and and rightfully so. But even then, he was able to to the way he commanded that post game press conference. He he touched on and he said, "Yeah, that this locker room it's going to go either one of two ways, and it's their responsibility to make sure that it went." in the positive direction. And I know the defense has had its ups and downs, especially with, with all the injuries and everything that they've been dealing with. But even from arguably for the defense, the lowest point of the season, and not, not even arguably the lowest point post point in the season was against SMU, giving up 77 to the Mustangs on the road. And yeah, then you've seen I, them. You know what? I, I agree, but you know, it, it could be arguably that it could be against Tulane going against a third string quarterback at home. I agree, SMU and the points that they gave up, but just thinking about it with – because as you were talking, and I just remember the climate of losing to Tulane and that third-string quarterback. I mean, when you go against SMU, you know it's a high-powered offense. You know Tanner Mordecai and all the talent that they have, but you don't want to plan up giving up 70 points now. But, I mean, <laughs> I agree. I agree with you, but I was just thinking one could debate that that Tulane performance could be – you know, arguably up there with SMU, but go ahead. I'm sorry. 
No, you're good. I, I think the, the thing that differentiates between the two games is that the offense really struggled against that two-lane defense. Now the two-lane defense is really, really good. So I, I think that's what puts SM, put, at least in my opinion, from my viewpoint, it puts SMU over it just because Houston's defense, our offense was able to put up 63, and that wasn't enough uh, to win. I think it would have been different if Houston would have just gotten – would have – Mm-hmm. Then I lost by forty, no, um, I but I think that, I think that makes it a little bit different. But no, you're you're right on the point. But that certainly that two lane game was one of the the lowest points of the season. Um, I think it it probably felt it felt close to rock bottom just because of where the point real program was um, in the off season with all the hype with the American Athletic Conference, um, the goals that they had mentioned that they wanted to get back to that championship game and win it, and then opening conference late after going two and two and and really off the heels of there were two plays, a player two from being 0 4 in non conference with UTSA and, and Rice, um, which came down to the wire. So, but the the point still stands that Donovan Mutant and 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 I'm sure that it's a, among all the seniors on that defensive side, they they had to have been a big part in being able to rally everyone across the team and being able to to keep them together. And I know Donovan Mutant specifically, he's been dealing with injuries throughout the whole season as well, so he's just continued to battle through them and be really an identity player, not only for the defense but for those younger players, which is going to leave them an impact whenever they have to be in those a similar shoes a season from now, two seasons from now. Yeah, I mean, you hit it right on the head. I think he set the tone on what good leadership looks like and how to hold that standard, even when things are going bad, like you mentioned, how to rally the troops together. So I think that linebacker room probably just learned the most from because they probably were around him the most. And just thinking, like, coaches say player-led teams are the – player-led teams are some of the best teams. Mm-hmm. And – from the two captains that we're talking about right now, Clayton and Donovan Mutant, both of those players are very resilient and showed on the outside looking in to the media to be really quality leaders. And so, um, man, my hat's off to both of them. Um, I hope both of them, the best, wish both of them the best in their future endeavors, whether they continue playing football or they're not. Um, I've been very grateful to have watched them as Cougars for sure, man. Once again, their final regular season or the regular season finale, their home final home game, regardless, obviously, Houston is qualified for a bowl game. So they, they have at least one more game after this Saturday, but um, it's going to be their last home game. And then once you get into whether they decide to opt in and play one more game and all that stuff, so it gets really murky. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how Houston comes out and hopefully they can send the seniors out on a positive note. Once again, that'll be a 6.30 p.m. kickoff from TDECU Stadium. And don't go anywhere because we're switching gears over to the hardwood and we will be talking about the Houston Cougars women's basketball team who has gotten off to a one and three start. And we have clips from head coach Ron Huey, Tierra Young, and Demila Brown. Now, it'll be interesting to hear Ron Huey because he says that the team is still adjusting and the thing that he's not that worried about is because the team's defense has been good it's been much more about the team's offensive woes so don't go anywhere we'll focus on the women's basketball team coming right up on pod slammer jam and on this note i do want to take an opportunity for you guys if you haven't done so already please be sure to check us out at Let's Rage Cougs, that's the unofficial Houston postgame show covering men's basketball and football streaming live on the Houston Round Ball Review 
YouTube channel after each and every football and men's basketball game. This upcoming Saturday, we will have the first ever first ever double header of Let's Rage Cougs, starting with the men's basketball postgame show roughly about an hour after the conclusion of the men's basketball game. And be sure to check out the postgame show just so you can hear clips from Calvin Sampson. Select student athletes will have breaking down all things of what happened in the men's basketball game. And the same applies for football. Like we mentioned, it's going to be senior night for the football team. Check out what Dana Holverson and selected student athletes had to say. Once again, that's Rage Cougs presented by the Saxonian family. For men's basketball only, let's read Cougs. Also, after the football show, be sure to check that out on the Houston Round Ball Review YouTube channel. On that note, Dayon, uh, coming back, I'm going to toss it straight over to Tiara Young. And you get to hear a little bit about what she said early on adjustment periods, not only for her, but just the team overall being able to get to adjusting on new roles early on. There are only four games in, one and three. Here's what Tiara Young had to say. I think um, it's very early in the season, but everybody, you know, we stand watching film, getting up extra shots, and just doing what we can to put it all together to be able to move on and to pick it up for the rest of the season. Things you've seen from earlier in the season that y'all are really trying to hone in on and clean up um, so that you're able to, you know, turn things around after a, a slow start. Uh, Yeah. Coach, you always preaching the things that we need to do to win the game. So with our turnovers, cleaning up our turnovers and winning the rebound battle between our opponent. So just staying on the offensive glass and on the defensive glass and limiting other um, team second chance points and taking care of the ball is the biggest ones that he preached every day. That's a good question. I feel I'm still in an adjustment phase. You know, it's just been four games in and, you know, missing some time for my knee surgery. It was I missed some time of that adjustment, too. So, you know, just adjusting to how things go, what the speed we play at, how we like to press for the full 40 minutes. It's been a, a big adjustment, but I think I'm catching on pretty quickly and I expect it to be a lot better in these next coming games. Thanks, James. Andy, you got the next question. Uh, uh, good afternoon, Damana. Just kind of building on that uh, answer you just gave. What's kind of been your mindset through these first four games, whenever you get into the game, just how you can impact a game early on in the season? I think my mindset has just been how can I impact winning? How can I do what I do best, which is scoring, shooting, and defending and stuff, but how can I do that at the level that, you know, needs to that it needs to be done at, even with me still being feeling like I'm a new kid on the block, you know? So I just feel like just just kind of playing hard and bringing that defensive intensity and being a spark off the bench has just really been the role that I've been, you know, sitting in for the first four games. Once again, that was Houston Cougars guard Tierra Young on that latter part of the clip. It was Demila Brown speaking about adjustments. And for both of them, really, it still seems like it's a work in progress, which obviously that, that's the obvious statement of the year because they just started the season, but it's, it, it's going to take some time because they're trying to adapt to new roles in the case of Demila Brown. She's adopting to a whole new system in Houston altogether. Yep. And not only that, 
um, she missed some time, but you could. It seems as if, like she admitted, she's settling into her role. But not only that, settling into the culture and how Houston likes to play. And um, they both mentioned turnovers. Well, Tierra, I mm-hmm. think, mentioned turnovers. And for 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 three of their first four games, they had over twenty turnovers. And mm-hmm. so eighteen um, in one of those games. But their last game against Florida State, they got those down to eleven. So you have over twenty turnovers, then you have eighteen, then you have eleven. And so they are getting those turnovers down. But the thing is, with from what I've seen, I watched all their games is this shot making. They, they mm-hmm. aren't making shots, and so that's the thing that um with, whether you get extra shots up or where. Whether you have different lineups and you figure out it's still early in the season, like they like they both said, you, you kind of figure out which lineups work together and different things like that to which you have different scoring options on the floor. But it's kind of kind of um not I don't want to say funny. I don't really know the word to say because watching that team and how they finished the season so strong, specifically in the American Athletic Conference, when you pretty much allow Layla and Tierra to be the callus of the team, because both of those com- both of those players complement each other so well, and they're one of the only two players, few players that can really break down a defense themselves and score. But not only only that, they can create for others, and so. It's just early in the season. They still figuring things out. But when they finish the season like that and you you see how those two players are pretty much your best two players on their team, why you don't ride that momentum that you finished the season with to start this season. And I know mm-hmm. different injuries, different things play different factors, but that's one of the big things. But defensively, it's not the problem. I don't, I don't think you. They play hard. They rebound really well, man. Tatiana Hill, she's been looking like for Houston fans who haven't watched um, the women's team, she's out there rebounding like J. Juan Robert, or J. Juan. I mean, she's really, really attacking the glass. Like I'm watching her, and she's. She's really relentless on the rebound. She's just been a very, very, very aggressive and dominant player. I think she made honor road this last week. She had a double-double and had a really strong game. So I've been very impressed with her. But for Houston, their problems was offensively, executing the half-court set and, and just not being able to, to score the basketball. I mean, their, their shooting percentages are horrible right now. And so – Defensively isn't the problem. Um, I think it's just adjusting to new roles, a new team, new year. You still got a lot of familiar faces, but you still have a lot of faces that Coach Huey is trying to integrate into this team. And so um, it's still a lot of season to be played. I still believe in this team. I still believe in the coaching staff, and I think they can turn it around. And one of the things that, that they've you touched on it that they have excelled in early on in the season, um, besides the defense, has been rebounding. And this, this Houston team actually leads the entire country in offensive rebounds per game at 23, which has been one of the strengths. Now, we're going to hear from Ron Huey in a second. And one of the things that he said, it, really, he kind of echoed the lines you just said, Dayon, in terms of he's not the, – the concern isn't um, – when it comes to to how the team has played overall, like you said, the, the biggest issue has been they just haven't been able to make shots. Now, the reason he said it, it's not as big of a concern is because they've gotten so many chances in multiple games. He said they've had 75, 85 over there. We had one game where they had over 90 shots a game. It's just about the, the ball not going through the basket, which has been that, like you said, that's been the biggest issue for this team. Now, two key players that, that have been around the program are two key faces, Bria Patterson and 
and Lalo Blair is who Ron Huey touched on in regards specifically about Bria Patterson. Ron Huey said that he feels like she's been pressing a little bit early on in the season. Now she's had a couple of strong performances. I can't remember what game she had at double double, but he said just overall, he feels like they still haven't been able to to be aggressive. Well, sometimes they could be overly aggressive trying uh, to create stuff when it's just not there. Yeah, yeah, and I, I think I will echo that watching her. Uh, maybe she she is pressing, and but really, what she gr- brings, <coughs> excuse me, to the team is versatility. She, that's one of the things that she brings is versatility because she's a positionless player. Not only does she jumpstart their press, but she's one of those players at the four spot that can get the rebound and, and start the fast break. She doesn't have to outlet. I'll make an outlet pass and get it to the guard. She has the skill set to jumpstart the offense and create a transition. And in the half court, oftentimes she can create for herself. And she can, she's a three-level scorer. She can make a three, she can make mid-range, and she can score inside. And so she hasn't really been efficient and she's getting up a good number of shots. So I like her aggression. I like her her shot um selection. I just um Yes, I, I mean, I just think basketball is a make and miss league, make and miss game. And so I, I really don't have an issue with her aggression. Um, maybe she d- does have made some costly turnover, especially for someone who mm-hmm. has the experience that she has. You really don't want to see her have some of the turnovers that she has. But offensively, she brings versatility. I don't think she's one of those players that you really want to rely on offensively. I think she's a player that you can expect for her to give you Really, she can pass the potential to average a double-double. She can give you 10 points, 10 rebounds a game. She has that skill set, and she can do that. I just think for some of the players who um, who's taking a lot of shots, in which I think there are other players who are taking a lot of shots maybe that shouldn't be taking some of the shots that they're taking. I think mm-hmm. there's, there are some players who has a better skill set offensively who's proven that, who should be taking more shots who – there aren't taking as many shots. And so I think shot selection from some other players, but I wouldn't say Bria is one of them. I really like the aggressive because they need her to be aggressive because when she is aggressive, it opens up the floor for players like Tatiana, Layla, and really the entire team. And so I just think once she starts making shots, that takes them over the next level because she's going to do all the little things. There's no question. She's going to hustle hard. She's going to give you maximum effort, dive on the floor, do everything that you want her to do. But that offense is kind of like a bonus. I mean, she's going to finish inside, get to the free throw line. And so um, just her turnovers for sure. And some of that decision making, especially from a senior that you don't want, you don't want for someone with that experience. Absolutely. And again, that goes back to the points about it just being a learning process for not just those players, but overall as a team. Now, here's what head coach Ron Hugh had to say about the first few games and the takeaways he's had from that one and three start. I think the first and the first and the foremost thing that I learned about our team is that um, right now we've been putting so, so much of emphasis on defense and even all summer that when they had opportunities to go and play, they went and played, but we didn't focus on shooting and all the small things we need to do. We're always going to be a defensive-based team, just like our men and a lot of teams around the country, but you also have to get in and get that extra up with those shots. Because, again, it's the one thing that you can control. You can control how you make shots and, and miss shots. You know, So, again, I think the first thing is we have to slow down a little bit and get a little bit more detail-oriented in that area with uh, making free throws, layups, and, and, and just shots to make a miss lead, just like the NBA, just like any other league. And I think uh, we have to 
have an opportunity just to just mentally focus and make those shots. Because again, at the end of the day, it's mental. I've never had a season where we started this slow and shooting the basketball. You know, I mean, so again, it's mental. So, but the one thing that I love about this team is they've jumped on doing everything we need to do to get better. You know, again, we're getting 85, 90, 93 shots against teams and not making them, but they've uh, asserted themselves getting into the gym um, before and after practice, getting up extra shots, pulling teammates in, doing all those things necessary to be successful in that area, and it's going to pay off for us. That's why I'm not worried about what's happening now. You know, a one in three starts that doesn't define us. What we do while we're one in three defines us. So if we come out this next game and, and don't play hard and do things necessary to be successful, then I'd be worried. But when you play a Florida State team that's really, really good this year, and I mean, almost every team we've out rebounded. Uh, we're we're number five or six in the country in the offensive rebound. We had twenty five offensive rebounds against that team. You know, we're rebounding like crazy. We almost averaging fifty a game. Um, we're uh, number four in the country with turning people over twenty five, twenty six a game. Um, just all those categories, we're taking care of business. It's just free throws and shooting the basketball that we're in in the three hundreds. That's and that's what we got to improve on. The first thing we did, we started putting them in those situations every day. And it started with a minute. Now we're up to like three or four minute game scrimmages to where we're putting them in that simulation every day because it's hard to do what we do. It's hard to do what our men do. You know, and everybody that come in here first time and they struggle with that, you know, and she's going to come around. And again, like I told her, you know, five or six games from now, she's going to look back and was like, wow, really? I was really struggling with that because they all go back and laugh at it. You know, I was like, yeah, but it's it's you have to get up in pressure. You want to run and jump everybody. We want to have opportunity to play fast. We want to be able to call stuff off the fly and be able to run offense in 14 seconds or less. And those kind of things are different if you've never done those things before. Um, and so she and and a few other ones, Tierra, excuse me, um, Taryn, our freshman, and a few other ones are uh, AJ are still making an adjustment to that. And so we're putting them in those sim simulated situations every day. Uh, we'll do it again today and, and she'll get more comfortable. And I think um, her best days are ahead of hers. And, and again, starting with this trip, I can see her having the opportunity to play a lot and doing some things necessary to be successful for us again, uh, just because she's a worker. She's in the gym every day getting shots up. Um, she's just trying to pick up the system and 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 trying to just focus on um, her things so she can minimize some mistakes so she can be the best that she can be. But we got complete confidence in her and complete confidence that she'll come around and be able to do uh, what everybody's doing. So we we'll all be on the same page because, you know, you get some people out there or three on one page and two is on another one or four is on one page and one is on another one. It's always going to be a breakdown. And so we're just trying to collectively have everybody on the same page. And uh, D is getting there. She's getting there. Getting everyone on the same page, that is a point of emphasis. Again, still early on. Now, one of the things he did mention, one of the strengths for this women's basketball team early on has been re be the defensive side of the ball and, and specifically being able to turn uh, or force opponents to turn the ball over. I think the craziest that when I was uh, researching ahead for this show, they forced Texas A&M Commerce to, to commit 41 turnovers, yeah. which uh, whenever I first saw it, I, I had to double take and I said, that, that can't be our 41, which is absurd. But going to that Florida State game specifically, that's kind of, that, that was the, that's been the big game early on, which, I mean, it took overtime. It seemed like once they got into that overtime period, the women's basketball team, 
it, you hear this this um, metaphor a lot, but it, it did kind of seem like they ran out of steam in that overtime period. But one of the things that Ron Huey said after that game is he felt that for the most part throughout the game, especially in regulation, they did a really good job. Like he, he alluded to in that clip, the identity of this women's basketball team, they like to press. They like to really control the tempo of, of the games, which has allowed them. They have been able to do that through a lot of the games in the season, which has allowed them to get, like you said, eight or like Huey said, 80 shots, 90 shots, more than 70 shots in almost all of their games this season, which especially in regards to that pressing thing, that's what they want from their opponents. They don't want them to get comfortable. They want them to have to catch up and play at their speed because that's really where their advantage is. Now, like we've alluded to throughout the entire show, it's really about being able to finish. And I think I found it interesting in that clip where Huey said, that's something that they weren't able to put a lot of emphasis on Um, in preparation ahead of the season. They doubled down on defense. Yeah. And it's funny when I was listening to that, I um I can't remember if he told told me and Matt this two two years ago or last year, he told me that Coach Sampson told him while watching practice one day that you guys work on defense so much, but the scoreboard doesn't count stops. That's what mm-hmm. Coach Huey told me that Coach Huey, Coach Sampson told him. I don't know if that was last year or two years ago, but whenever it was, he, he got that gem from Coach Sampson, and so. It was kind of surprising for for me to hear him say that, being that, I mean, you you got some advice from one of the greats, a, a Hall of Fame coach that's right next door to you. And so, um, but I'm sure he has so much, much going on. He wants to really put some emphasis on that. And the culture is built around defense. And, um, and so I, 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 I was kind of shocked that he said that. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, not really, because I know he has so much going on, like I just said. But overall, man, the team has the talent. They have defense travels. And so they're not always going to shoot under 30%, under 20% like they've been shooting. And so when their shots start to fall and they, they start making those free throws and it's the line, it meets the defense. This team can be where I, I, I assume they would be to start the season. And so – um it's still early in the year, man. No time to panic for me. Did I think they would have a better record? I will admit and say yes. And me personally, am I disappointed that their record is what it is right now? Me personally, yes, because I expected more. Is it the end of the world? Do I still think that they're not a good team, that they that their coaching staff isn't going to get the job done? No, I don't. I still think they have the talent. They have the right staff in place to turn it around and still reach their goals. And like Coach Sampson says, right now in November, it's about learning and getting better. That's the same thing for the women's program. They take this time. You want to take your bumps and your if you take any L's, you want to take it now to correct those mistakes and be playing some of your best basketball going into February and March. And they've done that over the last couple of years. And so um, uh, I still believe in the team. I still believe in Coach Huey, and, and I, I think they'll they'll get it together. Yeah, absolutely, and I think that's that's the important part. Once they do start conference play, that's when this team wants to be hitting on all cylinders. Now <clears throat> they're going to have a couple of uh, two tough challenges upcoming starting tomorrow. They play on Thanksgiving in the Saint Pete's Showcase. They play Portland tomorrow at four thirty p.m. Central Time. Then they also play on Saturday morning against Florida, uh, which are going to be two tough test and interesting test for them again it, it seems i know they've had a few more home games uh but it, it this isn't necessarily the easiest schedule for them to start off of the season either would say say it again 
this isn't necessarily the easiest schedule to start off for them as well. So that's that's yeah. also another factor. Right. Yeah, it is. It is. And I think that's something they've had over the last couple of years. They play a top 15, top 20 schedule. And I think it's good to challenge them early on in the season. And what it does is highlights your weaknesses. That way you can focus in on strengthening those, strengthening those weaknesses as the season goes on. But defensive, that's not their problem. They're doing what they do defensively as far as turning, causing over 20-plus turnovers, playing at a frenetic pace. I do think at times they can play more um, faster and get out in transition more to create more easy opportunities whether it be whoever gets that fast break, I think they can ignite it because they have a plethora of guards to do so. I just think um, – I think Tierra Young has to be more involved. Uh, I think she has to play more minutes. She has to take more shots because, in my opinion, she's arguably the best player on the team. I know Layla gets a lot of recognition, and rightfully so, but Tierra is just as good, in my opinion. I watched both of them play since they've been at Houston, and I just think, in my personal opinion, that she – needs to be more involved, play more minutes, and she really should be 1A, 1B with Layla as far as options on the court, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And on that note, we will transition to our third of four segment, focusing on name, image, and likeness, specifically spotlighting H-O-U-N-I-L. On this episode, we will focus on H-O-U-N-I-L's advisory board and really how that makes them unique in regards to specifically other entities, other name, image, and likeness entities across the University of Houston uh, I will toss it over to myself in the past real quick. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Pod Slam Jam. Um, kind of transitioning on to another thing that makes you guys unique. It's the advisory board that you guys have. And before we did or before I hopped on this call for the interview, um, I looked at your guys' website. So it said as of September 12th, the advisory board was Galen Robinson for basketball, Zeke Reiser for football, and Brad Towns for baseball. Can you talk before we get into anything else, just in terms of how those three came about to to get involved with H-O-U-N-I-L? And I'll follow up after that too. Okay. So Brad and I have been friends for 20 years. We met on a football trip to Michigan in 2003 he got us thrown out of a bar, um, <laughs> and I thought I hated the guy, and then we've become really close friends ever since. Uh, Zeke Reiser has written for GoCooks.com. We have numerous uh, former players that have written for us, Zeke Reiser, Matt Hogan, Dane Roy. I really like special teams, uh, <laughs> and, and several others, um, and Zeke. We wanted a football guy, uh, an in-the-trenches kind of guy uh, to work with us. And Zeke has a great mind, and we're really looking forward to him. And then Galen is almost larger than life. What he meant to that basketball program, I mean, they call him – the players call him their mentor. They call him the godfather, the current players. And he has a legitimacy with these guys that – even though they see me every week in practice and interviews and whatever, I don't have that. And Galen brings that component to what we're doing. And he's also been fantastic interviewing people. Um, We hopefully will be able to do some things with his uh, apparel company down the road, but these guys are all, and it's an advisory board. 
They're not being paid. They're not making a ton of money off of it. They're not making any money off of it. Um, and so it's just, we're looking to find two more. I'm looking at uh, Akeem Olajuwon and, mm. you know, Case Keenum, but I don't think those two are going to happen. So um, <laughs> we want to find two more athletes. We want to find female athletes. We want to find recent athletes. We might even go with a, a current athlete um, just because we want to understand what it is that we need to do, what it is the needs are for the players. Um, we've heard stories, bad stories of athletes that their parents haven't been able to go see them in the sweet 16, the elite eight, the final four, they, they couldn't afford it. And this, this NIL can be a way for those families to go see their kids play. And can you imagine missing your kid in the final four because you just couldn't mm -hmm. afford a flight, a bus trip, a hotel, a whatever. And we're going to make sure in the future that, if those situations arise, we're going to do content. We're going to make it work to where someone can, can get their families to the games. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that, that's, well, that's awesome. First of all, like you said, to being able to give those families an opportunity, like I couldn't imagine being able to, to miss out on a family member playing on such a high caliber event um, for, for financial reasons. It's, yeah. it's terrible. So that's awesome to hear that. But then also what you touched on when it comes to having, you know, the, the people that you do have invo involved in the advisory board, like you mentioned you know, specifically with Galen Robinson, how it adds that kind of extra layer of legitimacy, which, which again, it's crucial, especially um, like you said, how often you guys are working with athletes and it's not just a one-time one-off you guys are working for a long period of time so that's awesome yeah. to hear too i'm curious just kind of you mentioned whenever the idea first um got mentored was was on the come up you talked about how uh, people within the university were supportive how big was that to be able to have that support from people within the university as well um it's huge and they have put us in connection with others that can help us obviously nil rules and state law prohibits anybody at the school from helping athletes in this way. They can mm -hmm. steer them towards an opportunity, but they can't, they can't be involved. Right. And so I have made sure that we, we don't step over that line at any point, but everybody has been very supportive. Um, people that I didn't know if they would be have been supportive. And obviously the athletes are all in. Gotcha. And then just kind of transitioning over uh, once again, and this is um, something you mentioned at the beginning of our interview, um, just in terms of obviously there's you guys are HOU NIL, but there's other different forms of NIL entities mm -hmm. out there. You you mentioned Hoop and, Hoop and Holler, who they the way they dub themselves as the semi-collective for Houston yeah. Cougars and then linking Cougs as well. And and what I mentioned in one of our previous previous segments, just in terms of it, it seems like each one of you guys do different things in particular, like with you guys, you guys do the, the content with the athletes, direct stuff that you're not going to find anywhere else. The hoop and holler, they much more focus on, I mean, they're the entity behind the star pizza commercials that especially the sack have ones, they got all the traction and then linking coups. They're the ones that are providing the athletes with kind of those deals with companies that, that want to be able to work with athletes in and of itself. How, 
maybe big's not the right way, right way to phrase it, but how how is it to be able to have those different entities and and they're all focused on different things? Because at the end of the day, you guys are all focusing on name, Im- image, and likeness at the University of Houston, which is crucial, especially as Houston transition over transitions over to the Big Twelve. Yeah, uh, some people have believed or said that there's a competition between the three, uh, Mike Pittman and, and Hoop and Holler and Star Pizza, fantastic. We're definitely not in com- competition with them. I don't do pizza, uh, <laughs> but it's just not. And, and I don't know Landon or Austin from Lincoln Cougs, uh, but from what I've been told, they're doing a great job. I, we're not competing with each other. It's not a competition. It's not us versus them. Everything has to work. No one is going to be able to raise enough to put us on the same level, put the University of Houston on the same level as other schools. It's just that that NIL group doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. And it really doesn't exist at any other school either. You're seeing athletes do events and sponsorships and things with different groups um, and it just stacks upon each other. And hopefully at the end of the day, the athletes are taken care of and their needs are met. One of the weird things that I didn't know is that scholarships no longer cover parking. Really? Yeah, right? And so (laughs) players have to take that out of their um, cost of attendance or just out of their own pockets. And that's goofy. So we're working to try to find ways to deal with that. Landon and Austin and Lincoln Cougs, they're finding big sponsorships um, in sort of different ways. And I fully support that. And I hope every guy gets every sponsorship that's available. In our content, we're actually starting to ask players, you know, what are your other deals? What are you interested in doing? Like, where could you see yourself working with? What kind of company? And hopefully that spurs somebody to get them in connection with someone that can provide them with that kind of sponsorship, that kind of offer, that kind of opportunity. So once again, as we flash forward into um, the current pod slam Jamma, that was our third of four segment spotlighting H O U N I L. We will conclude on the next episode of pod slam Jamma. We will have our fourth and final segment uh, this one focusing across different name, image and likeness entities across the entire country, not just the Houston Cougars and the extended visions of H O U N I L. Once again, if you haven't checked out the first of, or the first two segments, you can do so on the archives, wherever you're listening, whether it's audio only on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your audio only versions of the podcast. Or if you are watching, checking us out on YouTube, be sure to go to the playlist. We have an entire name, image, and likeness uh, likeness playlist. So be sure to check out the first two segments on our archives, wherever you may be listening and however you may be listening. On that note, I do want to set one more reminder for those of you that might just be tuning in and are new to the show, are new to the Pod Slam Jamma YouTube channel. 
be sure to one subscribe to our pot slime jamma youtube channel for your one-stop shop uh for all things houston cougars um whether it comes to football men's basketball and women's basketball content you're not going to find anywhere else and uh, specifically in regards to let's rage cougs be sure to check out the unofficial houston postgame show on the houston round ball review youtube channel it'll stream after every football and men's basketball game once again, we'll have a doubleheader this upcoming Saturday uh, following the men's basketball and football games. But on that note, we will focus on the men's basketball team, which Dayon, they are now the number two ranked team in the entire country. Only North Carolina is ahead, but don't tell Calvin Sampson that because he couldn't care less about the rankings. But in particular, they're five. They're through five games in the season. They latest game came against Oregon, which you know, by all intents and purposes, this was clearly by far their toughest challenge of the season so far. Not only because it was their true road game, but just overall, it felt like Oregon uh, did a good job at being able to take it to to Houston and and you know match with them physically. And obviously, they had the distinct height advantage. But before we kind of get into any specifics on the team overall, what were your takeaways um, from that game against Oregon? First competition that had true talent similar to Houston D1 mm-hmm. talent I mean that's what the one first the number one thing it was like those other games were kind of like tune-up games I hate to say it I know coach Sampson said each game is hard to win a game I don't want to say blah 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 <laughs> but <laughs> I mean but the competition they played up until Oregon wasn't that good let's just call a spade a spade and when they went to Oregon and played that team, they actually had real talent, real length. It, gets, uh, it was a, a D1 team. And so but one thing that stood out to me was that Houston, not only in that game, but in other games as well, this is one of the most athletic teams. We mentioned this in Let's Rage, Let's Rage Cougs. I think this team should get out and transition more. That's what a thing mm-hmm. that, that really kind of stood out to me. I, I think – um, at times, I don't want to say they play too much in the half court, but I just think with their athleticism and, and with the plethora of guards that they have and the way that Jairus can even push the break and run the floor, I think their athleticism is something that I don't want to say hasn't really had in the past. Was definitely the most athletic front court that we've had. But I think they should just play it more in transition. That's one thing that stood out to me because once you – they aren't, aren't going to grow any taller. This team isn't going to get any bigger, and they're going to play more taller teams. So, but I say, so I think in times they should use their athleticism to play a more up-tempo, and they do a great job of turning defense into offense, getting turnovers, getting points off turnovers. They had, what, 30, 30 points? Almost half of their points came off of points off turnovers. So I think even in times when they don't create a turnover, they get a missed shot, they should play more in transition. Yeah, that's one of the things that Kelvin Sampson touched on. He feels like his team, he, he wants them to be able to to, to push the pace more. Um, and specifically, like you mentioned, Houston against Oregon, they had 17 fast break points. Now, I think the, the interesting thing about that game against Oregon, and going back to, to that size thing, Oregon out-rebounded Houston, which is something you not, you don't see often against the Houston team. They out-rebounded Houston 37-28, to 28, but... It, 
I don't know. That game against Oregon was a bit of a a, a weird um, the way things turned out because Houston, despite getting out rebounded, had more second chance points than Oregon. They beat them in that category, seventeen to fifteen. But you know, a Kelvin Sampson team and one of their calling cards, really their identity over the years, has been how they pride themselves on rebounding, and that's something that, um, in particular, is going to be. Is it? I mean, just in regards to to the practices, it's already been a focus, specifically when it comes. To to the front court players, something that, and especially it's something that Kelvin Sampson's mentioned in the past, but the front court players are still relatively inexperienced, especially in new roles, not in new roles. Now, I know Jawan Roberts has been around the program for a few years, but this is the first year where he's uh, being asked to be a full-time starter. Jarris Walker, he's barely five games into his college career. And JVA Francis, even though he was with the program last year, this is the first um, really tough stretch for him where he's asked to have a consistent role. And then obviously we know that Reggie Chaney, He's kind of the veteran among the group to really help those guys out. But what have you seen in particular from the bigs and rebounding before we toss it over to the clip from Calvin Sampson? Um, I think I've seen from them, they can do a, a, a better job in rebounding, but specifically against Oregon, they were just a, a shorter team. I mean, a smaller team. And so I think that's going to be a trend going forward, just depending on the matchup. Not all teams have seven footers, but, Jarris and Jay Warner both six eight. I think where probably we can see them is probably out scrap teams. Be more scrappy, mm-hmm. do more of the dirty work. I mean, you always see them falling or diving on the floor for loose balls, and so just just out scrapped and have more energy. Because one thing is like that Jay Warner, his relentless energy can be a way that he go get offensive rebounds, not wait for it to come down and go get it. And so the front court, I, I think they play well. I, I, although they got out rebounded against Oregon, they had more second chance points. And so that kind of still tells a lot outside of the rebounding total. I do think this is one of the most athletic front courts that we've had. And probably because you just look back at the other front courts that we've had, we had more size, but not more athleticism with JRS and J1. Both of them are really athletic and can really, really run the floor. That's why I think, and I'm sure Coach Sampson feels the same way that they should play in a more up-tempo pace when the um, opportunity presents itself. <clears throat> one one more point to add before we go to, to the Calvin clip, like you mentioned, I think that in particular, they showed it in flashes again. Uh, they showed it in flashes against Oregon and in particular, Jarris Walker, like you said, he he could be a one, a one man fast break in, in by himself, just in yeah. regards once he gets into open space um, and being able to, to force opposing defenses to react. And I think we saw that with even with Terrence Arsenal and how he came into the game and really he was active on the passing lanes. He, he finished with multiple steals in that game but here's what Calvin Sampson had to say about rebounding and about having that up-tempo playing style that he wants to see as well Jamal's got to get better we, we, our pace has got to pick up we're, we're you know we're winning way too much half-court offense but all these things happen early in the season you know uh, if you're asking me about a specific part of the game I'll tell you we're not good at anything you know so so obviously you think something's wrong where you wouldn't have asked a question uh, about rebounding. Uh, I think we're plus seven on the boards right now. For some people, that might be pretty good. But for us, we've got to get better. Everybody we play uh, is going to be bigger than us, uh, taller than us. You know, so, uh, but we've played uh, a lot of tall teams in the past. Last time I checked, I think Arizona had three seven-footers. Um, but... Uh, 
know, uh, there's not a part of the game, and I said this the other night after the game, there's not one single part of the game we're not going to get better at. But we're, our, our pace is slow uh, right now, which means we're running too many half-court sets. You know, if you have to run, if you have, let's say you have 65 possessions in a game, and offensively, the 55 of those are against a, a set defense, you're not going to look good. It's going to be a grind. The other night, that game was a little bit too much of a grind. Now, we kept it moving offensively because we got, you know, we create a lot of offense off our defense. Um, but we got to get back to uh, doing a better job of getting the You know, we scored more second chance points than they did. It's hard to believe, but we did. I think they were at 14, we were at 15. And then we had a couple of straights where we dominated the offensive boards. But we got to get more consistent in uh, that area. You know, JBA played 16 minutes. I don't remember, I don't know if anybody has that shoot. Whatever minutes he played, he had zero rebounds, which means uh, my wife, Karen, watched the game from home in Houston. She and JBA had the same amount of rebounds. <laughs> Problem is she, she didn't try. He tried, that's, that's, that's an issue right there. Once again, that was Houston head coach Kelvin Sampson um, right there. I think that 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 last bit right there, I think that's where Kelvin gets into how he knows to push the right buttons to, to help motivate his players, too. But I think he touched on it. That's an interesting point that he made in regards to that pace and, and really how, I mean, the point he made, if you have 65 possessions in a game and 50 of those are uh, having to run a half court offense, it's gonna it's gonna be tough on your offense because that means that you're playing against a set defense in the opposition, which obviously that's that's gonna make it much tougher when opposing teams are set. They they're gonna have a chance to set up their defense and really hone in on what their focuses are or what their focuses are on. Yeah, it's tough. It's tough to execute against a half court defense routinely throughout the entire game. And you got to create easy buckets. And I, I don't want to say easy, but you got to create um, opportunities where you don't have to execute. You just playing. You just hooping. You just moving the ball and getting out and running it and beating your man and getting down the court faster. And so I agree with him wholeheartedly. I and I was just thinking um, the last couple of days, which players do um, does Jarrett remind me of in the NBA? Like his skill set. And I was just thinking, man, he reminds me kind of a Bam Adebayo in Miami, six eight, same height, same build, muscular, um, not a over, not not tall, but can play that five or four spot, can handle the basketball, can rebound, can shoot, and also uh, players like John Collins from Atlanta, and maybe a little bit also of Draymond Green, but he's better offensively, and so. I think we will see as the season goes on, as he get gains more and more confident and fills the college game out more, we'll see more of him creating fast breaks when he gets the rebound instead of getting it and immediately looking for the outlet pass to Jamal or Marcus or whatever guard is near. And so I think the team will continue to develop. We're only a few games in. And so like Coach Sampson said, they don't really do anything great or good right now, but that's why you got the GOAT coaching you right now. And mm-hmm. you got to hold their feet to the fire. He's going to make sure that they hone in and get better. That's the, and that's a good thing. That's one thing good teams and good coaches do. 
in-game adjustments. They don't wait until after the game to make corrections. Good teams and good coaches, they do that in-game. And Coach Sampson does that, and his team does that. And so on any given night, they can make in-game adjustments and adjust to however they need to adjust to win a game. And so, man, this, this team, I, I can't wait to see them continue to develop and, and reach um, their potential. Absolutely. And one of the things that uh, Kellen Sampson, one of the, the lead assistant coach at Houston, talked about, which, uh, shameless plug, if you haven't checked out that interview, be sure to do so only on the Potsdam and Jamma YouTube channel. But one of the things he touched on, and again, since it's, it's early, especially there's a lot of new, uh, not new players, but there's a lot of players learning new roles. And it's part of that adjustment period now from a coaching perspective. One of the things, a couple things. First, when you touch on what makes a good coaching staff, Kellen was talking about how really being able to kind of prevent or catch potential problems when you see them unfolding and not necessarily wait, like you said, Dayon, uh, for after the game to make those adjustment periods, being able to catch them ahead of time. That's a mark of a good coaching staff that he said now in regards to specifically being able to help players, um, whatever emphasis could be. And in this case, it could be rebounding, could be pace. But from a coaching perspective, it's being able to paint a picture for each and every player and then set them and explain the expectations for them to be able to to meet those goals and then hold them accountable, as what Kellen said. And like you said, a mark of a good coaching staff, all these players, they definitely have that in Houston. Yeah, they definitely do it. And they, they trust in the, in the coaches to coach them hard, but knowing that it's all coming from a good place to allow them to develop. And the proof is in the pudding from their player, their player development and every single position on the basketball court. Not only that, getting them to buy into their roles. I mean, all those things that we've talked about pretty much on every episode, every list where Coos and Coach Sampson continues to do that along with Kellen. And so this entire staff, um, really does a great job. I don't think we talk about Coach Quanis enough. Uh, it's mm-hmm. one coach I don't think we mention enough and give him enough credit because he works specifically with the guards. And throughout the, all of the years, Houston has been a guard-driven team. And so, man, I, we definitely got to continue to give Coach Q, Coach Quanis, his flowers more often because his – development specifically with the guards and helping them get ready. Terrence talked about him after their Oregon game, yeah. helping him, helping prepare him. So I think that's a coach we got to really talk more and big him up even more because I think he probably one of these coaches that may um, get a head coaching job. So I think, in my opinion, Kellen probably will stay around with Coach Sampson throughout his entire duration because he's the head coach in waiting. And I think he will wait, wait out unless a big job just comes that he can't turn down. But I think Coach Q, he's, he's done a great job working with these guards, man. He gets them ready um, year in, year out, game in, game out. Not only that, even for my interview with um, um, Cordell, Cordell um, Jefferson, he talked about how he challenges him and, and shooting. And so not only that, man. He, and he, hasn't, he hasn't even arrived yet. He hasn't <laughs> even arrived yet. And so, man, yeah. we've we got to give Coach Q his flowers and the entire coaching staff. For sure. And uh, like you mentioned, Dayon, I mean, that he was one of the first coaches that um, Terrence Arsenal shouted out after his performance against Oregon. I think that speaks uh, volumes of what Terrence thinks and how crucial uh, Q has been in his development. But uh, one of the final things I do want to bring up, and it's just a, a comment that one of our viewers on the, the YouTube uh, live stream version brought up. What do you think about the University of Houston being number two in the nation? 
Well deserved. Well deserved. I think with the talent that we have, um, throughout the entire roster, with the coach that we have, and the leader that we have in Marcus Sasser, um, I mean, you you can't rank Houston anywhere below number two. Um, I think it could be arguably they can be number one right now, and so. Um, but like Chris Gardner says, shout out to Chris Gardner who um who's allow what allows us to use his YouTube channel on Let's Race Cools, who has done an amazing job custody covering Houston in all sports. Rankings don't matter to me right now. It's a great, I think it's great for us as fans and mm-hmm. really for pride. I like when we're talking to other people who went to other schools, we can be like, Yeah, well, we're ranked number two right now. So I think it, uh-huh. it, I think it's really more for us fans, but I think for the players and the staff right now, it really doesn't mean anything because. What it does is puts more of a bullseye on you when you go and travel on any given game because you're going get, to get each team's best because they want to knock off the number two team in the nation. Exactly, and I think it, to add on to your point in regards to Marcus Sasser and his uh, leadership position yesterday after practicing, he talked about how the team has to take ownership and re- responsibility in regards to the rebounding and, and how Oregon was able to out-rebound them. And um, he kind of said, you know, I know that, that Oregon had the, the size advantage, but he said that's not an excuse that Coach Sampson and that coaching staff is going to allow uh, the players to get away with. But on that note, we're going to wrap things up here on Pod Slime Jam. It was a jam-packed show. Talked about a, a lot of different things. It's kind of one of your uh, reasons why Pod Slime Jam is your one-stop shop. We talked football. We talked women's basketball. We had the special name, image, and likeness segment focusing, spotlighting on H-O-U-N-I-L. By the way, there's Goku's the shout-out. You should have more guests like this guy often. So uh, Ryan Monceau is always welcome on the show, which I, I got that name right this time. Um, I hope. If, I'm sure he'll let me hear it if I butchered it again. I hope I didn't. But and, on and that knows, note, um, I'm sorry to cut you off, but who knows? Just like in Let's Race Cools in the past, we've had Galen Robinson hop on and give it immediate feedback after a game. So make sure you tune in because you never know who's going to join us. Um, the content that we get is exclusive only. And, and so you never know. Make sure you guys tune in. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. Follow Andy because he's safe to stay like likes and plates and you can't miss him and we appreciate the support but make sure you make sure you tune in every time absolutely once again as always if you're just joining us for the first time ever be sure to subscribe to the channel it's the easiest way to support us and you won't miss a thing in regards to houston cougars football men's basketball and women's basketball coverage for those of you on instagram and tiktok be sure to follow us at let's rage cougs that's all lowercase no any extras just let's rage cougs on instagram and tiktok and on twitter it's pod slime jamma at p-a-w-d-s-l-a-m-a J-A-M-A. Once again, thank you guys for tuning in and listening. As always, Dayon, you have the final word. Hey, man, like Andy just said, make sure you like like and subscribe. But you can't end any episode without saying let's go Cougs, man. Make sure you continue to support us and the Cougars All Sports. Shout out to the volleyball team for um, clinching their share of the conference title title first time in a long time. And I remember that program was just – Really, really, really struggling. So shout out to them for clinching um, their share of the conference title.
Yeah, shout out to, to their head coach, David Rare. Uh, I, I don't think I've ever told this around Potsdam Jamma, but he was the first coach I ever, ever interviewed when I was at the University of Houston. He was after a post game. I had no clue what I was doing. I didn't even expect um, to do the, the post game interview. And then the, the situation arose, and he was super nice. He was super. Uh, uh, he was the, he, he's, I couldn't have asked for a better first interview after a post game. So big shout out to David Rare and that volleyball program. They're going to get a chance to go undefeated in conference uh, this upcoming. I believe it's it's Friday when they play Central Florida in their last game of the regular season. Um, let me make sure I, I have that correct. Yes, sir. Friday at 4 p.m. against Central Florida. So be sure to check that out. And as always, thank you guys for supporting us.